I'm all over the place here, but let's go to the word of the Lord. Daniel chapter 3. How many know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? This is an interesting passage of Scripture. I want to get started here and, and just talk to you for a minute about the power of God in the area of trials. How many have been through a trial or been through some fire in your life, some difficulty, and you know what it's like to come out the other side? I want you to know that one of the key concepts to this teaching is that even though we go through the fire, fire is not an indicator that you do not have faith. Amen? We need to fix our theology class because if you go through your life and believe that every trial is because you're cursed, you don't understand how God wants to use everything in your life, good and bad, to refine you. And so, in this area, just because you go through a fire doesn't mean you don't have faith. So, I want to begin in verse number one, if you have your Bibles, if you have a brick-and-mortar Bible like I do, or you have a digital Bible. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not unstable in all my ways, but I have two things going on here. So, the Bible says... If a man is double-minded, he's unstable in all his ways. I'm just thankful that I have a, an old Bible. I'm a little bit old school. That's what I am. I'm going to read from the word of the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was three scored cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. That's about 90 feet tall. That's a big statue. Everybody say, that's a big statue. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, the in-laws, the outlaws, never mind, and all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And then the princes, the governors, and the captains, and the judges, and the treasurers, all of them were still showing up. And they gathered together in dedication of the image Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up and stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon at this time. Then and herald cried out aloud, or cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear, or ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the psaltery, the Dissimer, however you say that, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship. He said, there's going to be a symphony of sound. And at that moment, you're supposed to fall down and worship this golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And then all whose, and whoso falleth not down and worship, uh, worshipeth shall the same that hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Everybody say, ouch. There is a test that you cannot get away from. And that is the test of what will you worship in life. And even though these men were successful, they were given a test in their greatest moments of success. Will you worship God or will you worship another? I want you to know that God does deserve our worship. And I want you to know even more that nothing else deserves our worship like God does. Amen. I want to talk to you about faith and the fire for a little while, that we need faith and we need the, the tests and trials that come to our life. Jesus, help the word to go forward. Help us to preach in Jesus' name. Help me to use, Lord Jesus, whatever gifts I have and talents for your glory alone and help the people to receive it. And everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord.
This is a very famous story. It's well known for what happens in the story as well as who is in the story. It's well known for its context in Scripture and the Babylonian oppression that is on the people at this time. Nebuchadnezzar, who is, it's very difficult to say his name, so let's all just establish, we're going to call him Neb. That work? Everybody call him Neb. And even though it's popular, it's critical that we understand the context of what's happening in the Scripture. How many know that context is king when it comes to studying the Bible? You need to know what's going on to understand what's being said. And so, I want you to understand that the majority of the book of Daniel occurs in a place called Babylon. Everybody say Babylon. And Daniel 3, by the time we get to Daniel 3, there's something major happening where the king of Nebuchadnezzar has gotten so bold that he's built an idol to worship and he wants everyone to bow down and worship. If you are a historian or a studier of the word, you know that at about 600 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar started his trek across the land to create and conquer uh, everything in the known world at his time. And at about 600 B.C., he conquered Egypt, and then he was going to head east and conquer Judah. So if you know anything about Egyptian culture, you know that their pharaohs were their gods. They believed that Pharaoh was their god and would lead them to victory, but he didn't. And he was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar is on this basically burn or scorch the earth campaign of taking over territories and lands, and Egypt and their god could not stop him, and other provinces and their gods could not stop him. So think of how this must have emboldened Neb to build his own god because he's conquered all the other lands and gods. And he heads into Judah, and he begins to besiege the people of God. And I, it's no wonder, obviously, that it had an effect on him. He might as well build his own god if their gods couldn't keep them. If he could take them and their gods couldn't save them, he might as well build his own god. And that's what he was doing. And as he moved eastward and besieged Judah, he took God's people, the Jehovah worshipers, and he had cap- took them captive in 598 B.C. And the people of God were being judged, but Nebuchadnezzar thought he was king and he could prop up any God that he wanted to, but he didn't know that God was still in control, amen? That even when men and tyrants and dictators rise up, God is still working his plan and God is still in control. No matter what has developed, no matter what pathology leadership brings to play. God has a plan that's so complex we wouldn't even understand it if he shared it with us. In fact, it seems in Scripture when anyone asks, what's your plan, he would tell them, I'd tell you, but you wouldn't even believe it if I told you. That's how powerful and awesome our God is. And humans have always done this. They have always resurrected or brought up whatever it is that seems to make them successful. So he raises up this huge statue. 
And so he places it in front of the people, and he says, you need to worship this statue. And of course, we know that when he takes the people captive and brings them back to Babylon, it's known as the Babylon captivity in Scripture, and he forces the expulsion and the detention of the Jewish people, and he puts them in chains and marks, marches them through the streets back to Babylon as they cry out, help us, as they cry out, please do something. Israel gets destroyed, and those people have to watch as their homes are being burned. Everybody say the fire. The fire has touched Israel, and, and things are being burnt down, and the temple is being raised, and whoever you talk to say different things about where articles of the temple were stored or hidden, but regardless of that, articles were stolen from the temple, and they took them back to Babylon. And when they took these people back to Babylon in captivity, now they have to start their life over, dragged through the streets and dragged through the countryside crying for help. But then when they got back, they're led to a place place of slavery. They're in a foreign land, and the picture of this is the cause and consequence of sin, that sin will take you to places you were never meant to be, and sin will keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and sin will cause greater damage than you ever thought it could. It is us, us here that gather today that are so thankful that God recovered us from our sins, that God came and died on a cross and made me a poss- gave me the possibility of being saved. Brother, Brothers and sisters, it is not because we are good that we're saved. It's because we have a good God that we are saved. Somebody help me in the house today preach. But it is then from that point in Daniel 1 that they are found in Babylon and and the the draft begins as Nebuchadnezzar begins to look over the people of Israel and pick out the youngest, the brightest, and the best. And this this situation is a backdrop of what we come to where the people of Israel are now having to learn how to adjust and are forced to adjust as slaves in a new land. And so he goes and he says to his leadership, find the wise, the young, the the ones that we can teach the culture to and the language of the Chaldeans and and find those that are quick to learn and and, and bright and best looking and and able to do it. In Daniel 1, 17 through 21, you see him giving the criteria to his leadership of who to look for. And if he does that, he's, he's saying, when you do that, go and look for people. And they find Hebrew children and Hebrew young men that are strong of mind and strong of character. And they put them at at the front of the group and obviously the king looks at Daniel and these three boys and he says after a, a time period of training and studying and them learning the language of the culture that they are now slaves in he says these Hebrew boys are ten times better than anybody else in the kingdom anyone in his kingdom of Babylon they were ten times better than anyone in the kingdom and so I want to tell you today that I'm not I'm not a person who is heavily educated. I'm not a person who is given all the rights and all the credentials to be where I am. I am thankful for a mantle from my grandfather who preached the gospel. But I am only here because of the grace of God on my life. And I'm only here because God has made me to do things and to be desirous of things that make people better. I promise you that is the case. And there is, and I'm just crazy enough to believe that this pattern of bringing people out of captivity 
or bringing people into captivity. And even though they're in captivity, they still shine a light of what it's like to be God's children, even when they're bound in moments of difficulty. I want you to know that that is a pattern that still works even today. That if you are in a place of difficulty or you're in a place of fiery trial, the scripture tells us that we are not to think it uncommon or that, or that we're not supposed to think it strange. The fiery trial that is to try us. For when we are tried like fire, we will be brought forth as gold. There's a refinement that's going to take place in our life by going through some things. And I've been through plenty of things I can speak about, but I want to tell you the pattern is that it still works. That no matter where I found myself bound, no matter what trial I found myself going through, I'm speaking personally because I can only speak to my life and my testimony. But I'm telling you, everything I came through, God made me better through it. God helped me through it. There was grace there. There was favor there. Doors opened that I could not open for myself. I just am crazy enough to believe that we are not in this world to just sit back and coast through and be good Christians. I believe we ought to be 10 times better than the sons of disobedience. I believe there's somebody in the room that ought to be excellent at what they do. They ought to be superb and superior in some way at what they do. I believe a spirit of excellence, a 10x spirit, can fall on somebody with the blessing of God on their life, and they can be better than anybody else in their field, in their standings. I believe that we ought to have people who are leaders in their house, leaders in their high school, leaders in their college class, leaders in their discipline of study, career, or in their field, in the office, or in their business. I think we should do things better, amen? And maybe that sounds crazy to you, but I think there's a blessing of God on a child of God's life that can lead them to a place where they do things they could never do on their own. And they can stay longer than others can stay that are better trained than they are because they have a passion to do it for God. They have a passion to do it for God. And if you don't shout about that, that's fine. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you don't want to feel like you're pressured to do more than you do, I, I guess that's fine. But I believe that we ought to represent Jesus Christ even in fiery trials. I believe that even when times are difficult and you're frustrated and you feel like screaming, that you ought to recognize that your frustration is smaller than the gift and the blessing of God on your life and that you are a representative of the kingdom of heaven and that as a representative of the kingdom of heaven, you can't flip that person, the bird that just cut you off, and you can't cuss out that person that you want to cuss out. Am I, am I still in the house? There's... There's some times when you're just frustrated, and you may not use those words, but you use all your Christian cuss words. You use every last one of them because you're frustrated. But whenever you're frustrated, you have to realize that Jesus died for that person that you want to cuss out just as much as he died for you. And the, the, the anger or whatever you have in your life has to take a back seat to the representation of the kingdom of God. Amen? We are citizens of God's kingdom. And this is a crazy world we're living in. There's going to be fiery trials. But we must remember that we represent our Father, his kingdom, and, and what he wants to do. We are not our own. We're bought with a price. He died on the cross for us. Amen? And so we are not our own because some, some people come to church, and they're a little crazy. I get it. They're just different. You know anybody that's just different? Not, not attractive different. I believe we ought to be attractive different that people want to know what we ought to be salt and light, amen? But there's some people that come, they're just different. And, and 
And you know, you know the people I'm talking about. When they start walking up, you're like, I got a phone call to take. <laughs> I, you find a reason that you don't talk to them. But there's, there's a need in your life to not only love the people that are attractive different, but the people that are just different, amen? The people that have all kinds of ideas about who God is and what God is and the aliens that are coming and whatever else they think. You need to be a person that's available and attractive enough that when they see you, they see Jesus shining through you. That when they read your life, they're reading the book that has been manifested in your life, amen? That even in fiery trials, even in difficult moments, that God is helping you. You know those folks that just need somebody to talk to them. Have you ever met somebody that was weird until you started talking to them and they shared their story and all of a sudden it made sense? Why they had so many hurts and so many pains. Jesus can handle everything, brothers and sisters. So even in moments of difficulty, I want to be attractively different and let Jesus show, amen? Amen. If you're hearing music, it's because there's something going on downstairs. We're working on that. You are chosen by the king to do what only you can do in the space that you're in. You need to draw a circle around your life and understand that you and Jesus are influential right where you are. And you need to invite Jesus into that circle, whether it's just you and him. And you need to praise him and worship him like only you and him exist. And when you do that, that will shine outside that circle. Your circle of influence is you and Jesus. And then when you start worshiping Jesus and you start living for God with everything in you and loving him with all your heart, it starts to expand the circle. And all of a sudden, a family member comes in and then another loved one and then somebody else. And they're asking you about why are you able to stand under such pressure and so many trials? Some of you would have lost your mind if you went through the trials you're going through right now five years ago. But because you've been through certain trials, it built you into a trust position in God to where whenever... Everything else says you need to bow to this. You need to give up. You need to stop. You said, no, I've been through things before, and I trust God to get through this, me through this one as well. How many know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? How many know that he can get you through it? I just need one testimony in the room. That's all I need is just one person that said he did it one time, and if he does it one time, he'll do it again, amen? And so I'm thankful to God that he's become my best source of trust and I anchor my life in him. So, of course, we know that whenever we represent Jesus and our circle gets bigger, sometimes those that are around us are going to get involved. And they're going to notice Jesus in us. And your bosses should notice. Those that you're with should notice. And their boss should be able to trust you, brothers and sisters. You shouldn't be able to come to church, dance, shout, spin about, and then go cheat on your time card. Uh-oh. I probably shouldn't go here, should I? Everybody, keep everybody happy. Don't bring a spirit of offense, Pastor Calhoun. The reason why some people can't be trusted at your work is because they simply can't be trusted. But you need to be someone who's trustworthy, amen? If you don't know how to be anything other than what everybody else is being at your work, then help yourself get promoted by educating yourself. Help yourself get promoted by being an honest person or getting an honest mentor or, or get your promotion by working your way into the promotion. You don't have to lie like anybody else. You don't have to do what other people are doing. You don't have to mimic the world to get success. God can do that. God can help you. God can bring you up. God can promote you. And when God puts you up, nobody can take you down. When God puts you in a position, nobody can take you out. Pastor, but you don't know how my boss takes advantage of me. Well, God's watching. 
God's watching. And if that joker don't be careful, God will take them out and put you where they are. God can promote people. God can put people in places where you can't even imagine you would be, but you know that God has put you there. So don't just stand and wait for God to do something. Also get involved and build yourself into the promotion that God wants to give you. Put demands on your life because that's what they did for these young Hebrew boys. They put demands on them and they excelled. They put more demands and they learned the language. They were better than anyone else in their field. And I believe we ought to have people like that in our church, amen, and in our life. People that decide, I'm just going to be good at everything I do. Everything I touch is going to be as unto the Lord. Everything I serve is going to be serving the Lord. I'm not serving people in a bed. I'm not serving people at the hospital. I'm not serving people on my job. I'm serving the Lord. And when I serve the Lord, I want to do it the best I can do it. So therefore, I'm going to win simply because I'm not serving man or his opinion. I'm serving God. And this is not just something that I do, but a form of worship, brothers and sisters. You're worship is not just hands lifted and hands in prayer and praising and lifting up or singing songs and worship. Your worship is everything you do in life. Every step you take, every moment you reach a hand to somebody hurting, every time you roll down the window and give $5 to somebody on the curb, you don't know what that money is going to be used for. You can do all the analysis you want to, but when you hand that money to somebody else, you gave it to Jesus. Not to them, not to the bottle not wherever that goes, you gave it to Jesus, amen? So you're helping by serving the Lord. I became the best I could be when I began to honor God with everything I did for service. Every moment, I don't come in here tired. I, I, I work a job, and then I spend a lot of our Saturdays, Sarah and I, preparing for this Sunday, and then we spend time in the Word and get ready, and I go in my prayer closet on Sunday morning, and I make sure I get all the stuff out of my head and the worry so that I can come here and try to preach the message that changes somebody's life and be useful to God, but I don't do it out of obligation. I do it just like you, out of serving the Lord with gladness and coming before his presence with singing and all the things that we do together. I'm so grateful that I realized that I wasn't just saved to sit on a pew. I was saved to serve people and change lives. I'm not sitting around sucking my thumb, thinking of the state of the world or the state of my life or the state of my trials. I am not just barely here, barely making it to heaven. I'm not fatigued, tired, worn out. I'm not focused on the things that everyone else may focus on, the troubles, the trials, and the faults and the difficulties of life. I'm focused on Jesus Christ. I'm focused on what he's doing. Look at this place. Aren't we blessed to be in this place of worship? I'm not worried about what's going on with the music. I'm not worried about something else happening. I'm worried about seeing God move in a very special and real way in our lives. I'm thankful that God is touching us even in this moment and his word can go forward and God says, you can do it if you let me help you do it. No, baby, I'm not crossing the finish line into heaven with my lip dragging over the threshold of the pearly gates. I'm not getting there going, well, further on, we'll understand the troubles and the trials. 
down the road will be blessed. No, I'm not whining or complaining. I'm thankful for everything I go through because God uses it all. And I'm thankful that I'm going to get to heaven one day and say, look what the Lord has done. Look what God did in my generation. Look at how he used the backwoods nobody from Alaska with dyslexia and ADD and everything else you probably wanted to label me with. And I can't even sometimes read my Bible straight while I'm preaching. But I feel a Holy Ghost. I feel an anointing from my God in heaven above. I feel fire on my head. And I know the Holy Ghost can make a difference. It's the spirit that breaks the yokes of bondage. It's not some vessel. It's not how good we preach. Paul was even considered by the Corinthians as not being a very good preacher. Well, guess what? God helped them out whenever Paul told them that I don't come to you in words of, of, of great words of men, but I come to you in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. If anything happens in this room today, we need a demonstration of the power of God. We need God to show up and touch us. So we can say, look what God did with your life. Look what God did with my life. I'm so thankful that I know how many of you have trusted God and you've lived with the God can do it in your life. You've lived with the faith that said, God can get me through this. Whether it's surgeries, whether it's problems, we are residents of a different kingdom the kingdom that is to come. And we are praying and pulling stuff from the kingdom to come into this world every time we pray. We're pulling light into darkness. We're pulling hope into hopeless situations. We're reaching up by faith and grabbing hold of things that are not and calling them as if they are until they become it in the earth. We are making manifest things that are not through our faith and our prayer and our walk with God. These are the kind of men, hallelujah, Jesus. There's going to be a time where the fire comes, and I get it. We don't like fire. It's uncomfortable. It does hurt, but God has promised it will not harm. There's a difference in hurt and harm. They just cut out a part of my body, <laughs> my gallbladder. It's somewhere. It's been baptized in Jesus' name. When the Holy Ghost decides to call us all home, somewhere that gallbladder is going to get up and meet me in the air. It's been sanctified. I'm kidding. Okay, that was a joke. This, world, this body goes to corruption. We are going to take on a new body and incorruption. Hello, somebody. But these boys are about to get cremated. These boys are going into a furnace. And I studied several different aspects of this story. And they, some scholars believe that the fiery furnace that they were about to get thrown into, if they didn't bow to this statue, was about 1,400 degrees. Being a licensed funeral director, cremations happen between 1,400 and 1,780 degrees. They were about to get thrown in a crematory. There's nothing that comes back. There's no DNA. There's no nothing. And these boys were wrapped up in their coats in cords. And Nebuchadnezzar said, take certain men. There's a whole lot of certain men in this story. Certain people, high, high officials. He said, take strong men, bind them, throw them in. And there's a couple things that I just want to mention to you as I try to wrap things down here is that whenever the enemy decided to attack your life, he didn't realize that there's some major points that happen when you go through a fire. There's some major things that happen. There are some things that you cannot find unless you go through the fire. And those are the things that I want to help you with because I want you to re reestablish your opinion on fiery trials. 
because we think they're bad and we know they hurt. But I want you to know that when you come through it, you will not be harmed. Like these boys, they were not burned. They were not singed. There was no smoke of fire on them. There was no smell of smoke on them. So I want you to understand that when God sees us go through a fiery trial, this is what God thinks. Because I read it in the word. That when those men threw them into the fire, the fire was so hot, turned up seven times. Because Nebuchadnezzar got so angry that they wouldn't bow to his little God. If you want to know if something's from the enemy, just don't worship their idol that they put up and see how angry they get. If you want to know if it's demonic, don't worship the thing they prop up and see how fast they lose their cool. If it's from God, he will help you stand against it. But all you got to do is say no one time, and I will set them off. So whatever idols propped up, whatever the world creates and says you need to bow to it, we only bow to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We only bow to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so God has instructed us through this trial of these boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that wasn't even their name. Their real Hebrew names are much more beautiful, and that is Azariah, Mikhail, Mikhail, how do I say that? Michelle, that's right, and Hananiah. They were living comfortably in Babylon. I want you to hear me real carefully. They were living on the salary of Babylon. They were living in the luxury of Babylon. They were living in the blessing of Babylon. They were in cahoots with the king. They had favor and open doors. They were at the highest level of their success. But their blessings and their success did not keep them from being tested who they would worship. And you will always be tested. Who will you worship? Will you worship possessions? Will you worship promotion? Will you worship people's opinion? Or will you only worship God? It is important that we understand that that test is coming for all of us. But the test we have to understand how fiery, no matter how fiery it is, that test gives us four things. Number one, it will punish the enemy that tried to try, that brought the trial. And it will protect us. So God will punish the enemy through it. And God will protect us through it. He will give an increase of his presence through it. And he will give us promotion through it. There are some things you only find in the fire. And the enemy threw them in, but the fire was so hot, those certain men were destroyed by the fire they were throwing Daniel, or the, the three Hebrew children into in Daniel 3. So what I want you to understand is even when the enemy has designed something against you, the weapons formed against you shall not prosper. God will turn it around and use it for good. Amen? Now, I know it looks like sometimes it's not possible. How could this possibly be turned around? But God knows how to do it. He knows how to turn things around. Anybody want to help me preach? He knows how to turn things around. So if you go to the scripture, you understand, you understand that he, he destroyed their enemies. Sometimes the fiery trial that comes against you is designed to communicate to the enemy more than it's designed to teach you something. Let me help you with this for just a minute. We always think that trials that God is just refining us. But sometimes God uses the trial to inform your enemy that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Hello, Job. Come in the house, Job. Tell us about a Job. He loses everything, but in the end, he keeps his faith, and he gets double for his trouble. Amen? 
Even his wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? He's taking a broken piece of pot, pottery and he's scraping the boils on his skin, a picture of brokenness. And she comes out and says, just curse God and die. And he doesn't call her a foolish woman. He says, you speak like a foolish woman. And he says, "Get thee behind." He says, I will not uh, discredit my God. I will serve the Lord. I'm never going to, though he'd slay me, yet will I serve him. And he's trying to say that there is nothing that can take my faith away. I believe we have enough faith in our life to get through the fire. Amen? But I believe there's times when the enemy is told, no, there are some folks in this world that have been baptized in fire. You might put them through the fire, but they've got their own fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And that fire keeps them in the fire. Amen? And so God sometimes puts us through trials just to tell our enemy they've got their own fire. They've got lasting power. They've got the ability to stay when nobody else can. And when the devil tells you you're not going to make it, that you're going to die in this situation, that this trial is going to take you out. Just turn on them and say, yeah, but I got lasting power and you don't. You've got a future that's damned. I got a future that's blessed. Amen, somebody. He punishes your enemy through the fire and he also protects you through the fire. The Bible is very clear that we must go through the fire and that God will not always keep us. We need this to change some churches, some people, doesn't matter who, preach that when you get saved, you get so blessed and you're protected from fire and trials. The Bible doesn't promise that. The Bible is clear that God doesn't protect us from fire. The Bible protects or keeps us through the fire. Amen? So God will keep us through the fire. In fact, the reason some can't go through the fire very well is because they've been told you won't have to. But the Holy Ghost is able to give you peace of mind and give you strength even in the worst moments. You need to just run to the Lord and take it to Jesus. Amen? I'm so thankful that I know I can go to Jesus. So that's point number one. The enemy could be throwing you into a fiery furnace and it could be turned up as hot as it can be, but you have lasting power. I've got my own fire. Amen? And so God has a way we were singing about it today. God has a way. Talk to us, Joseph. He told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Amen? And so we know that God is able to turn things around. I'm glad I got a witness. Amen? Somebody have a testimony that God's able? Have, anybody ever feel like you were in so much trouble, but God brought you out? But God stepped in. Number two, God will protect you. You have to have a threat, though before you know his protection. When we moved here, we got threatened with a lawsuit. I'd never been in that situation before. I got my pastor involved, got the church board involved. I didn't know what to do at first. I prayed and I prayed. And I asked the Lord to make it go away, and he did. Yeah, he did. They didn't even make a peep. We're so thankful that God is stepping in to help us when we need it. I didn't know what to do, but God will only show you his protection in some ways where you see it. But there's other ways where you have a threat come against you. You don't, you don't know what it's like to have a life preserver thrown to you unless you're drowning in water over your head. You need to be somewhere. You don't know what it's like to have a healer of your body until you have a sickness attack your body. You don't know what it's like to have Jesus put you to sleep at night until you have so much worry and so much agony in your mind that your mind won't shut off to let you get some rest and Jesus walks in the room and says, go to sleep. You don't need melatonin. You didn't need anything else. The Holy Ghost just came in. He took your hand and he said, you can rest. I'll take care of it for you. I'll stay 
stay up all night because I never sleep or slumber. You go ahead and get some rest. You don't know what it's like to have God protect you until you're in a situation like these Hebrew boys. So I'm thankful that I can dwell in the secret place of the Most High like we started this service with. And I'm also thankful that I know a key word that he's going to take me through it. Even though I have to go into it, he's going to bring me through it. Amen? And then number three, I've got one more. That when you go into a fiery furnace like these Hebrew boys, the, the king started looking, and he's like, Y'all, did we put, I think we put three in there, didn't we? I think I see four in there. And the fourth one looks like the son of man, the son of God. And I'm so thankful that I know that when a fiery trial comes to my life, it is an opportunity for the increased manifestation of uncommon presence of God. That when God literally takes me through it, he doesn't leave me alone just to suffer with my faith. But he shows up right beside you, and he walks with you. And he's like, guess what? I'm going to put a Linux air conditioner right here, boys, and you just hang out. I'm going to crank it up. You just hang out right here in the fire. You won't be burned. You won't be singed. You won't smell like smoke when you come out of this. But just wait here. I'm going to go blow Babylon's mind. Because they think they conquered every land and every God, but they're not about to conquer this land or this God. Even though my people are being judged for their sins, I'm still a God who's able. And so he blows their mind. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, I see a fourth man walking around in the fire. And he not only says that, but they're loose in the fire. Some things are let loose in your life only by going through fiery trials. There is a greater anointing and a greater blessing placed on your life when you go into the fire, not because you are so great, but because when you trust God to walk with you through it, he unties the bands that have bound you. He looses things that were in your life. Some stuff went into the fire with them that didn't come out. Their garments weren't touched. Their hair on their head wasn't touched, but the cords burned up that held them because Nebuchadnezzar said, come on out, boys, and they climbed their way out of the crematory. I don't know how that happens, but I know God is an eternal God, and if Jesus shows up in time, he stops time from functioning. So fire can't touch the boys because they take an eternal moment and stick it in time, and now they're capsulated in an eternal moment. That's why the burning bush could not be burned even though it, there was fire because it takes time for fire to burn. You have to strike, burn, and consume. They weren't consumed because when Jesus stepped in, he stopped time because eternity showed up. I don't know if you can believe this or not, but I like to think this way. I like to think that the eternal God can stop a moment and have you be in it with him. And so then they come out of the fire, and there's a place in the scripture where it talks about Nebuchadnezzar saying, anyone that speaks against their God, he takes an entire mindset and pathology of a king who thinks he can prop up a God and make everybody worship and turns it all on his head and makes him believe that anybody who wants to serve a God needs to serve their God because he shows up in the fire. Amen? I'm racing as fast as I can go. I'm thankful that Jesus doesn't leave us in the fire alone. I'm thankful that there's a place in Scripture where it shows us that when we get in a fiery trial, there's a special manifestation of God in that midst, in our midst. 
And not only that, but when you come out, you have an increase in your life. I believe this is Promotion Sunday. Congratulations. You came to the right Sunday. I believe this is an increase Sunday. I believe by faith that when I get done praying, that I'm going to pray a prayer at the end of the sermon, and God's going to release increase from every, to everyone who's been through a fiery trial, that you're going to look at fiery trials differently for the rest of your life. And when you see a fiery trial come up, you'll just start dancing, just like, oh, I don't feel good in my body, but I got to worship because I know when the fiery trial shows up, that increase is coming, manifest presence of God is going to be greater, and the fourth is promotions on the way. Promotions. It's promotion Sunday. They had to go through the fire to get the promotion. They were at the highest level they were going to be at in Babylon. But when they went through the fire, God put them even higher. God brought them up even higher. Our job is to praise him. His job is to promote us. Amen? You stay humble, and you let God promote you. Nebuchadnezzar promoted the Hebrew boys. So God will promote us in ways that we don't even understand while we're going through the fire. And we can praise him with a dance, praise him with a shout, praise him however you want to praise him, with instruments and with loud-sounding cymbals, everything that they did there we should do for our God. But he looses us, he releases us, and the fire is an indication that promotion's on its way. Amen? Would you stand with me? I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've suffered in life. I don't know what scars you have in your life, but I want you to know that God's going to use those to tell a story to your enemy that you were not able to be taken out, that you have the Holy Ghost inside of you, and there are just simply some folks full of the Holy Ghost living on this earth that will not be burned out, will not be drowned out, will not be, will not be put aside, that will not let God or not let anything other than God in their life to keep them and direct them. I've got a testimony just like that. That he protects us, he keeps us, that his presence is real in our life, and that he will promote us when we go through the fire. I want to pray, Jesus, by the power of God, I know there's an unction in this place and that there's a power that's on your word, that it won't return void. But I'm asking you right now that anyone that's gone through fire in this place, anyone who's suffered a situation, that you remind them that they have lasting power through the power of the Holy Ghost in their life. That when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, that they were given, Lord Jesus, the ability to stay and to last. And they were given a stickability that won't be taken away just by life or changes in life, but they are able to stay longer, do more, and be more effective, even in places where others could not be. I'm asking you right now, Jesus, to release an increase in this house, to release a promotion in this house, one that someone didn't ask for, but they worked themselves into, one that someone didn't ask for, but they kept a good attitude, one that someone didn't ask for, but they monitored their tone and made sure that they were communicating like Jesus would. One that they didn't ask for, but they've asked you to forgive them, and they walk in a spirit of repentance, Lord Jesus so that you give them things that they don't deserve. But also, Lord God, if we're walking through a fire today, remind us that the fire is there to help us. It'll punish the enemy. It'll bring greater presence of God. It'll produce in us a beautiful understanding of the protection of God. And it'll help us today, Jesus, because you promote us 
And we know we will not have gotten ourselves there, but you got us there. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for his word today. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for increase. I'm going to open this altar. I want you to come if you want to increase in your life. I want you to come if you want to increase in your life. If you want to be promoted today by God, not your promotion, but God's promotion, it'll come at the right time and the right moment. But if you need increase in your life, you need to go, we understand. But if you want increase today, I'm letting God do the work. In Jesus' name, would you lift your hands and say, Lord, I'm available. Lord, you do whatever you want to do with my life. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good, Jesus. Lord, I'm going to look differently at fiery trials. I'm going to look differently at the things that are meant to slay us. We're actually going to see the Savior step in and we're going to see increase. We're going to see something loosed in our life while we go through the fiery trial. You're going to be right there guiding and directing us, God. I'm asking for a promotion today, an increase in everyone's life, Lord God. That every trial comes to bear with fruit. That it is brought forth, Lord God. And it's put before you. And you remember what they went through. You remember the times when nobody would talk to them. You remember when someone turned their back on them. You remember when someone pulled the rug out from underneath their emotions. You remember every scar, every situation. Lord God, and you turn it for good. And you provide increase from that fiery trial because their faith is still here at this altar. Their faith is still moving in their life. Their faith is still yours. They still trust you, God. Would you turn it for good? Would you turn it for good? Would you bring protection, Lord God? Would you bring presence? Lord Jesus, I ask in the name of the Lord that you would do it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody give him a praise. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. And you turn it around, God. Right now, even now, Jesus, turn it around. Even now, turn it around, Jesus. You take the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Jesus, you take what the enemy turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good victory I'm gonna see a victory for the Just take a moment, you and Jesus. Make a circle and put Jesus in it. Right now, it's just you and him. Come on, just ask the Lord to make 
make his way into your life. Invite him in right now. Invite him into your life and say, Jesus, take it all. I belong to you. There's nothing outside this circle that's going to take our relationship away. I don't care how hot the fire gets. I want you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn. 